The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 219 After Party Edition. We've been drinking, and you've been warned. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck podcast, and I am your host Dan Tom for a after-party edition. Not just an after-party edition, an anniversary after-party edition. Because our first episode was not only an after-party edition, but it was one year ago to the day. It was after UFC 207. Here we are, one year later. Um, this passion project, nor the booze, have stopped it somehow. I'm not sure how. But Brian is back with me, and our mutual What's friend up? who we've talked about many a times, Joe Suzuki, all the way in town from Costa Rica. First off, what is up, Joe, and welcome. Yo, what's going on? Excited to be here, to be on the podcast with you guys, and finally able to uh, watch some USC fights with the homies, so I'm pretty excited to be here. And, yeah. And again, Joe is a longtime, uh, not just friend, but more importantly, longtime MMA fan. Uh he, he, he was a hardcore uh, longer than anybody in this room. He was at Pride 33 here in Vegas. Uh, and, and, and just you can pretty much reference anything for the last 10 years, and Joe will know about it. And, of course, you already know him at BR14N, my main man, Brian. What's up, what's up? What's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, this whiskey's doing me right, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, we're putting that, that, that present to use. And, uh, it's, that's it's, for sure. It's getting a bit of all of us tonight. So yeah. Johnny Walker, double black, some blended scotch if you like drinking like a man. and uh, We got the full treatment because we have the ice, the ice balls frozen. We like the balls in our mouth. You know, usually <laughs> I'll drink my, my, my bourbon and whiskey neat, but how can you say no? To some ice crystal like balls, and I don't know why I keep saying balls because it's just turning it into a hole. Well, it is an ice crystal ball, but and it is hard to say no to. All right, well, let's not look into that any deeper, folks. Uh, it's not, <laughs> not looking at the ball talk. Uh, a, a ball has not dropped, but uh, you know the UFC's ball dropped in the sense of their last show of the year just just took place. Um, I was pretty optimistic and trying to trying to defend it going in. You know, it wasn't as big as we initially thought. Usually, they try to go. All out with uh, aforementioned Alistair Overeem, uh, Brock Lesnar, right? Some of the big cards like that. And, and it was a little maybe underwhelming in those regards. We just came off that big Madison Square Garden card. But, um, but yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, I try to be an optimist, but I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I can't say it's delivered. Me, dude. Yeah, that well, shit. that ruined it for you. Yeah, by the way, thank you guys for responding to that. Uh, we, we were, Brian reference, we were watching on the UFC app. On Apple TV and it was faltering, and according to a lot of you guys, we're having the same problem. So, tisk tisk production. I don't know what's going on. Ever since Eric Winter left fucking Fight Pass, it's like uh, it's going downhill. But aside from our streaming difficulties, uh, guys, uh, what did you grade the card before I lay into it? Brian, you go first. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Feeling feisty. Six. Out okay. Of 10. Let's use the ten scale. That's a good one, Joe. What would you give it? I gave it a a B. <laughs> <laughs> we're 
gonna use the 10 scale. I'll give it a B. I heard great. You know, I'm gonna use letters here. Alright, alright. That is very generous. Alright, so 1 through 10, he gives it a B. Let's see. Alright, so what is that? Like, 8? Alright, that translates to an 8. Alright. Yeah, alright. I mean, like, I guess 7 if we're talking about numbers. You know? Alright, alright. B's like. B. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, this card was, I thought it was great, um, the fights were all good, especially on the main card, um, I mean, there weren't, like, big names, like, the Lester and all that kind of stuff, too, but, it's, yeah, we got to see, like, Cyborg and Home fight. Yeah, that was, that, it is, uh, like, a super fight. Yeah. Not to give spoilers, but yeah, it, it was quite the super fight as far as women's fights go. It was a good fight, so let's save the best for last because, and let's just work our way from the bottom to the top because it was, um, it was weird because, first of all, I was excited because we had a 10, a ten fight card and uh, listeners to the podcast know Dan Tom's always beating the drum of oversaturation and get off my lawn because I'm an old man and I want my old MMA back and... Speaking of Pride 33, that was like some of the best cards because you had cards back then, not just Pride, but UFC. It was nine nine fights on Pride 33, and, mm-hmm. and UFC cards were kind of averaging about the same. And it was great because the focus was on these fighters, and you could unpack them and all these things, and it was a digestible card and a uh, night of fights. And this literally might be, uh, aside from one of the many fight cards that have been just struck by injuries, weight cuts, or USADA violations... This might be one, and this card kind of the same as well, I guess, with, to a certain extent. But this might be the first card where it was like 10 fights, so I was really excited. We're going to have a digestible card. But it felt like one of the longer fucking cards. Some mm-hmm. decisions. And maybe, yeah, because again, it was Spoiler alert. two yeah, two finishes, only two finishes. One on the prelims and one on the main card. So that was kind of a bummer, I'm not going to lie. But um, but yeah, any, uh, with that in mind, let's just look at the first fight on, on Fight Pass. Any of you guys see that one uh, between uh, Tim Elliott and Del Rosa? You seen it, Joe? Did you see it? Yeah. Um, so essentially, uh, Tim Elliott won submission. Um, let's see what round was it? Two or one? It was two. It was two. Yeah, you're right. Um, kind of choke. Yep, yep. And it was a great choke and a great performance from Elliott. It was the kind of fight he needed. He got to the ground early in round one, got his sea legs underneath him. But uh, you know, as listeners of the podcast know, and talked about on my last show here. Um, we share Coach Robert Fallis, and it was really hard to... I really felt for Tim going into this, because I don't know if you guys are aware of this story, so maybe I'll fill in the both audience and my, my guests here, but Tim Elliott uh, trained with Robert Fallis, I believe, the last two camps, and liked it so much, as many fighters do that train with him, he decided to move down here just for him. And he bought a $240,000 house he put himself under, moved his family, changed his life to do it and uh, and then you know he goes out to UFC Winnipeg where he was supposed to face Piotr Menga on the last card that was just two weeks ago and um, Fallis was supposed to come out early but couldn't do the personal stuff he had going on and then I guess Fallis reached out to him and was like hey man uh, that stuff cleared up I can still come up early and I guess Tim Elliott looked and it was like $700 extra than what he originally intended to spend to change the ticket at that point because it was later so he said uh so he he, he passed uh, you know he, he passed on it and said oh it's okay we'll just we'll just continue on and then um did you know you can come in later or whatever like the friday or saturday before the fight and obviously robert didn't come in because uh they estimated his time of his passing about friday and that weekend he passed was actually when tim elliott fought 
So I'm sure Tim Elliott was probably wondering where his coach is, but he probably didn't know the news until after. And apparently, it was in drink, just you know, drinking, admittedly, admittedly, because this fight was at 135. He didn't have to cut as much weight, granted, but still, he was admittedly drinking and dealing with it while in camp in these last two weeks, and he doesn't know what he's gonna do. You know, even with this win, and it went, it went, it went as best as it could have been. He got the win. He got a submission. I don't know if he got bonuses. We'll look that up. Um, Only two finishes. Probably. Yeah, I'm hoping so. We'll look that up probably by the time uh, we'll, we'll do a break in between here, and then we'll, we'll pull that up. But I'm hoping he at least gets the bonus to help pay off his house. But that's a that's a tough spot. I don't think any of us can understand that. I I shared the guy as a coach, and I'm still mourning him in that sense. But as far as that specific situation, that that's fucking rough, man. Definitely adds to it. You guys, you guys saw it. You guys saw the submission, yep. impressive yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. There's a anaconda choke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. All right, next fight we had Luis Smoka versus Nikolau. Um, yeah. I, I stayed away from this one aside from putting Smoka because you needed dogs in DraftKings. Unfortunately, I didn't pick the right dogs, but uh, Smoka was a dog for DraftKings. But yeah, my pick was Nikolau just because of his boxing, his jiu-jitsu, his all-around game. He's essentially a younger he dropped him. dude. He's like a Henan Brow 2.0 or Jose Aldo 2.0, where he's just more measured. The more younger version, you know. Is he from the same camp? Yeah, he's from oh, the same camp. Wow. He, but he travels around. Like, he went up to Henan Brow to Jackson Wink and the trail in Maine, New Mexico, his last fight. Spent time with Damian Maya, this one. He's worked with, like, Mark Delagrade in Boston. Like, the dude Damn. gets around. And Smart. I stayed away, though, because, I mean, he was, you know, he was off a year and there was a USADA violation. Uh, um, not that, you know, it's as. It's as much of a flag with A because USADA violations could mean a lot of things. We can't automatically write it off, right? And B, even if it is what we think it is, um, for many reasons of chemistry and other things that are beyond my comprehension, uh, steroids and all those things don't really affect um, young guys as much, which kind of makes me wonder why young guys would even need it. Not saying that's what it was. I don't know his situation. But that's what it was. But by the same token, if we're going to play the age argument, well, that can go two ways. Luis Smolka is still young himself in his early 20s. And perhaps, but that, but on the flip side, I think, that is the problem with Luis Smoka. He admitted to some alcoholism he's been struggling with and, you know, drinking, getting blackout drunk and just kind of saying a lot of questionable things, to be honest. Yeah, um, I and, so too. and I stop and I scratch my head because, you know, this guy was one of the guys I thought, you know, along with Scoggins, who, you know, two guys who kind of shot themselves in the foot in, in different ways. But I thought those were the guys that were going to give DJ problems and they kind of just burned out in their last couple fights. And Smoka, well, it's tough because it's like, you know, you scratch your head, but then you look at the age, you're like, oh, that's right, these guys are having to grow up and fight the best of the people in the world. Um, While growing up. Yeah, like, dude, can you imagine stuff we're seeing in our 20s, guys? Jeez. Yeah. I mean, so anyways... Uh, you, you don't even want to get Joe started on that. <laughs> yeah, right? No shit. So Nikolai won, but you, would you guys have any thoughts on that fight? I'm surprised he got dropped so many times. Or rocked, visibly. Yeah, we kind of paid attention starting from this fight, and uh, I think we were kind of paying like attention. Is yeah, is that's great. That's great kind of game. No, yeah, yep, yep. And then uh, after this fight, I think where my picks kind of went south. By the way, I went like four, five, and one. I had some rough picks. These like last maybe last couple months. I mean, don't get me wrong. Their their, their cards were like I'm sure everybody's having rough picks on too, from what I see, but. It's uh, it's been it's been it was one of those it was another one of those nice fights pick wise. We go to our next fight, and uh, Vittori versus Akhmedov. I was big on Vittori here. Really good fight. This yeah. was a good fight. Yeah, uh, brawl for sure. Vittori fought really dumb though. He put himself in a hole in that first round because he fought out of character even for his stand up. I mean, he's gonna make mistakes. He's a younger guy. 
he's he's younger than Akhmadov, his opponent. Like, he's supposed to make rookie mistakes or be prone to him at least. But he was making even more so than normal where, you know, Akhmadov, the game on him is pretty simple. It's right hands and left hooks and he intercepts you when you come in. But when you force him to throw for it, when you face guys like that who are trying to collide and crash distance and hit you when you come in, you have to kind of like, we'll get to a cyborg at home, you have to bait that counter, you have to bait that first shot from them and then punctuate, kind of like cyborg was doing to home. And Vittori was doing that, but he was also not doing that. And I don't know if he picked up because it got kind of heated at times, but it looked like he started picking up as the fight went on that, okay, I have to pressure and counter him. Because when he did that, he was tagging up Akhmadov every time. Otherwise, when Akhmadov went first, Akhmadov tagged him out. Uh, out tagged him. And he, he definitely won the first. Akhmadov did. Uh, Vittori definitely won the third. The contention was in the second round. Get your guys' opinion on the fight and the second round in a second. But my take on the second round was that I could see, you know, him winning. You know, by the numbers, I think, like, three minutes in, it was, like, 20-6 to six Akhmadov. But the numbers are tricky. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't tell you all about the fight. Like, I judge fights often by what I see, what's effective, and what's really landing, which is why we probably saw, again, I want to cheat ahead to the, the home sideboard. We saw scores all around the place on Twitter there. But, 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 but yeah, yeah, I, I got, uh, I, I gave, I did give Vittori, though, the second round, um, because I, I felt like he deserved it. I think the last half, Akhmadov is when he looked completely gassed and was barely throwing anything. So even if he did that 20 to 6 ratio, again, doesn't represent anything. And most of that ratio was done in the first half of the round. Last half of the round is usually what judges remember most, what people remember most. And, again, half the round, uh, control one side to the other you can make arguments for either side essentially what what did brian what did you have uh how did you have that fight i think that's pretty accurate yeah i, I had uh Akhmedov in the first definitely decisive first round uh but vittori turned it on in the second round i feel like he was doing good enough and ended strong enough to really take that round joe actually called it after uh, during the third Okay. Yeah, he said uh, that it was probably going to be a draw. Well, he he asked if it would be a draw. He said, what do you think, a draw? Yeah, because, like, I mean, um, from what I recall, it was, it was a pretty even fight all throughout first, second, the third, and, um, yeah, I was like, well, I could see it as a draw, and that's, and that's what we're going to pull up. up. Yeah, we so. kind of walked out of the room. We were getting some teriyaki madness. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys went came back, grabbed food. I, I wasn't with you guys at this time, obviously, for you know, listeners kind of putting together the scene here. Um, did you guys get back in time, though, for Rick Lennon and Miles Jury? Yeah, we ate teriyaki madness throughout this entire fight. Okay, well, um, I'll just I'll we watch, this yeah. one. This we one was uh, this was my only official dog pick. I just thought that Rick Lentz's pressure and durability could pay off um, as the fight went on. But Miles Jury, you know, he he he, uh, he returned back to form this fight. He's been very inconsistent, jumping camps, not fighting. Uh, had back to back losses before he got back on track with a win over Mike Del Torre earlier in the year. But credit to Miles Jury, man, came out looked good. I got I got to imagine that's credit to, to him. Finally going back to Alliance. Um, it's a great camp for him. Uh, you saw a lot of guys kind of get messed with when they left or when the, the departure kind of happened. I know Chandler and Johnny Case and some other guys. So uh, good to see him get back on track in that sense. I'm still a big Rick Glenn fan. He didn't look great tonight. I mean, uh, athletically and speed-wise and power-wise, yeah, I knew Jury was going to have that even though I picked Glenn. Um, so I guess I'm not that surprised, but it just seemed like Glenn was really moving 
moving in the mud. I have no issues with the score, but uh, Glenn really looked like he was just struggling tonight. What, what did you guys get from watching? Wally? Uh, honestly, I didn't even watch probably yeah. 30 seconds of the fight. All right, all right, exactly. all right. No worries. All right, we'll go. Wow, close out the prelims. Your boy, Brian. Khalil Roundtree. What about your boy? Uh, I have missed this fucking fight. You guys, you guys are getting up through the heavy lifting. I was in transit. Uh, again, putting the pieces together, listeners. Now this round, is where I was yeah. in transit to to come here, so I I, I missed a lot of it. Yeah, first round, Clue went ham like he always does. Uh, I feel like did he rock where, him with anything or what? I wouldn't say rock, but he definitely felt his power. Okay. Uh, I feel like the the big deciding factor was that on the takedown, he had got a good uh, arm underneath the chin. And kind of held that position with one arm and then fought for the guillotine on the stand-up. Got a standing guillotine, but just went too hard. Like I said earlier, it kind of reminded me of Anthony Johnson switching up his game plan to, instead of striking with DC in their second fight, he started grappling, but then he gassed quicker than normal because he's a stand-up fighter. His gas tank is, is trained specifically for his stand-up. Yeah, he may train wrestling and, you know, a submission grappling and whatever it may be, but his overall game is stand-up. So when you have a guy that goes from stand-up and then they burn their muscles out in a way they're not used to in a fight, adding adrenaline to that, it just doesn't end well. So as soon as I saw him do that, and then there was a flurry after, he threw a flying knee, and then a flurry of left, right, left, right, it was just, that that was when I realized he needed to give his arms a break, and he never did, and I feel like that was just the downfall. All right. Joe, is that, is that how you saw it too, pretty much, playing out? Yeah, man. Um... I thought Roundtree was going to finish it off in the first round like he does with the other fights. Um, and I don't know when did Gokan Saki uh, drop his meniscus or something. Yeah, like when did three when weeks did he, ago or something? So I think like that kind of mm. affected his uh, training too because if it was with Saki, it might have ended first for sure by the second round. And maybe the it's training hard, wasn't. It's really hard to say too because that, that fight would have been fucking exciting. Yeah. Gokan Saki and Khalil Roundtree. Yeah, you I don't know, know how that would have been. You know someone's getting knocked out. Right. So training might they have been both different. Have, they both have a one-round gas tank. It's either going to be like a Mark Hunt, Bigfoot Silva mm -hmm. re recreation, or it's going to be a fucking insane KO. Yeah, 100%. Uh, hopefully, even though he lost, he gets that fucking fight. Because yeah. let's be real, Gokan Saki's one and one in MMA. It's not very exciting. If Khalil Roundtree can get that fight, I think it'd be a really fucking exciting fight. I wasn't able to watch the weigh-ins, but... Um, he, it, like, just looking at their, like, their figure during the fight, it looked like Roundtree cut more weight than, um, the other guy. Yeah, Which yeah. means, like, he might have been drained more than the other guy, too, and... Yeah, I think he needs cardio. to go back to 185. He fought at 185 in amateur, a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, and he did really did. fucking well. He was actually the 185 champ of Tough Enough. Yeah, man. I was wondering about that, too, if that's beyond his, uh, or at least if he feels it's beyond his reach, you know? No, um, yeah. Well, going from 300 pounds to 200 pounds is pretty impressive. I'm pretty sure he can cut that extra 15 if he really wanted to. Yeah, yeah and but he's definitely got to figure out what's going on with the cardio, which is kind of crazy, too, because he also did a lot of work at the Performance Institute where they have all the crazy technology. Yeah. Like I said, I that, think but. that his focus is like completely different from that kind of cardio, and it's similar to like we saw. Mm. Where you know the grappling cardio for your muscles is completely different than just throwing punches. Hundred percent. Well, guys, on that beat, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, yeah, we'll refill some whiskey. We'll uh, we'll get some information uh, collected to, so we're on point. Because when we're coming back, we're gonna break down the main card right here on the Protecting Neck Podcast. Stay with us.
cucarachas enojadas Here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the after party edition of UFC 219 and the anniversary edition. Let's be honest. This is the anniversary edition. Yeah. Speaking of anniversary, well, what anniversary is not good without a cheers? If you have a drink at home, you can cheers with us. Probably not because you're listening on a Sunday morning. Forget that. But we have whiskey. <laughs> Johnny Walker Black. Cheers, guys. Cheers, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It's uh, It's been a crazy year. Um... It's real quick before we jump into the card, but uh, it's been nuts, man. Um, just uh, a lot of reflection for me this week, pretty much. Like, just like it's bananas. I I I work myself in, into insane some some weeks, so it's hard to kind of stop and smell smell the roses. But uh, I'm trying to, man, and it, it is awesome. So um, thank you guys for uh, supporting me as friends, you guys as listeners. Thank you guys for supporting me also as friends now and. Um, and hopefully uh, this next year, 2018, we can, I don't want to, you know, everybody, oh, we're going big, we're stepping it up, we're coming to, I mean, you add whatever, you know, um, cliche saying you want, but yeah, we, we, we 2018, are. 2018, I'm losing 15 pounds, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to fuck an alien. That could happen. Wow, that's a weird 20, that's a weird New Year's resolution, isn't it? I mean, you know, just go to Mexico. Was that, was that me earlier saying that, uh? Because uh, uh, of all the bright advertisements on, on on the card tonight, I kept. Uh, uh, I think I made a comment like, "What if, what if Will Smith fucked the alien? Do you think that they would get more views if he if he like Joel if they Joel, advertise like, like Joel Edgerton just dude? Have you heard about bright, bright Will Smith fucks <laughs> an alien? Yeah, like seriously, like, no, dude, dude, it was full it was frontal, <laughs> full frontal, not a Will Smith, the alien, dude, the CGI involved. The you, orc, he fucks the orc. Come on, you're telling me if your friend tells you that, you're not going with I gotta see this shit when I get I home, I mean, I'm right? not Dan Tom, so no, I wouldn't. But I'd wow. be like, I'll probably be like, all right, I'll wait till it's out on Cody or... Yo, homeboy <laughs> fucked an alien. <laughs> and King of Leon's makes music, so... Hey, you know what? Uh, I As ridiculous as what I said and often say is, uh, how, about our, how about our boy Kevin? Asking for the oh fucking... Oh, my God. Are, at, we, are we talking about the main event? Uh, well, but, oh, but wait, 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 wait. For the, before the main event, first, Kevin, I was asking if they sold... We didn't think... We thought he was joking. Oh, God. He was asking if they sold yeah, uh, cauliflower earmuffs. He was oh, joking. He was joking. You know what's, you know what's great, though? Um, shout out, Gil Gardado. Uh, remember when Kevin did the uh, strength? He came uh, oh, toward the strength conditioning right. class. And, and he, he threw went, up. Like yeah, because he hadn't even shown up. He hadn't even worked out in yeah. fucking months. <laughs> well, the like, oh, I'm gonna go to strength and conditioning class at Extreme Couture, <laughs> and I'm gonna have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, Kevin went to one yeah. Of those this was like years ago, before four years ago. Yeah, probably. but yeah. I just came back like 2013, early 2014, and the ironic part was when I tweeted like what Kevin said. The one person that responded was uh, Gil Gardado. I shout out to Gil, who's the coach and. Uh, Pro fighter, he coaches that class, and he was like, I got a pair if he wants to come down to the gym and grab it. And I don't think he, you know, it was Kevin, obviously, but I just thought it was really ironic. Like, oh, no, he's got PTSD. He doesn't want to go back down to Couture's. Dude, seriously. Fuck, dude. I was going to try to get him on the jiu-jitsu. That was hilarious. I was going to try to get him on the jiu-jitsu mats, but I fucked him up with the conditioning. Oh, see, yeah, it's true. He's tall and lanky, too. Jiu-jitsu would work. But yeah, you did intimidate him. But no, yeah, he just said, man, I wish we could buy cauliflower ear ear (laughs) muffs. And then again, we keep kind of cheating to the main event, but this is this is well worth it. But the main event, he uh, 
How do we put this guy? What was he, butt reading? He said, quote unquote, I could tell Holly Holmes nervous by the way her butt's jiggling. Yeah. <laughs> he said, he, he said, like, her, <laughs> the jiggles per minute are too high. <laughs> and, and like I like I and, and like I promptly told Kevin then, which I think I don't even think he dis- he disagreed with. I said I'm like Kevin, you are the type of guy who probably like could tell a girl's fears just by the smell of her ass. Like yeah, no, have, dude, yeah, like <laughs> he he's, he's gonna, gonna be Joe Rogan on the side and be like, uh yeah. So uh, by the by the way, I but what I smell is uh, she's nervous. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> and you know it's great because again we joke, and of course it's old Dan Tom's a pervert, but Kevin has the pervert radar. Right? Kevin is the definition of perv. Well, oftentimes, as you know, we opened the, the, the From Dust Till Dawn, one of Danton's favorite movies. We opened with the song from that, how that movie opens. But me and Brian both pointed out, we did a screenshot one time of Quentin Tarantino, because in that movie, he, he a girl will be like, hey, can I grab you a cup of coffee? But Quentin Tarantino has, here's, hey, do you want to, you know, you want to yeah, fuck or whatever? Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so he like, has this perverted look. And we screenshot it when Quentin Tarantino's having his like perverted thing, and it was this face that we've seen Kevin make so many, many times, times, too many times in public yeah. when there's females around. Every time a female's around, Kevin's not even here to defend himself. It doesn't even matter. Poor guy. I'm telling you, Kevin is the guy that a girl walks by, he just starts like growling, not like being like a pervert, like cat calling. He just can't help it. Be like, oh. <laughs> well, in the fifth round, he was still on it. He goes, oh, I think I think she's doing good now. Like he was like he wasn't even like watching the fight. He the was just watching the fight. Yeah. The muscles got swollen enough to there was no jiggle, and he's just like, "Oh no, she's not nervous anymore." <laughs> I don't know, but this is something we're gonna have to go down. If Kevin comes over and watches more fights, we're gonna have to just pay more attention to his butt analysis, see how accurate this instrument that he's using is. You know? Yeah, but it's not gonna be as easy to read on a dude. Oh Jesus, that's creepy. Yeah, I don't know if I want to hear Kevin. What's talk creepier, about that. that or my old roommate asking why they didn't have ring boys? Do you remember that? Are you here for that? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Why don't they that motherfucker oh. should kill me. That's hilarious. That was great. He literally <laughs> said, because I think he was trying to be funny. This, this, it was so great, because it was women fighting, and he was like, women are fighting. Well, why don't they have ring boys? It's like, because 90% of the people that watch this are dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not about to watch some fucking Chippendales walk up there with a six-pack. We have a hard like, time watching on. fucking Yoel Romero fight without going, holy shit. Fucking Thailand stuff right there. Yeah. Careful, you don't want your buying. What? Oh god. All right. Well, Anyways, on that we're note, wondering here, did we even talk about the first? No, fight we yet? didn't even talk about the first <laughs> fight yet. Why not? We we had to make we we were a little too efficient in that first half. Yeah. So the whiskey, a little butt talk, a little nostalgia. Why not, guys? Cheers. cheers. It'll bring us back a little bit, bring us back down to earth. Yeah. All right, no, no, honestly, we're not going to torture you, audience listening anymore. Um, the first fight in the main card was Almost Condit. Killed this bottle. Jesus, that's a little peek behind the curtain there. Uh, <laughs> Magni, Condit versus Magni. This is where the the picks, I think, for a lot of people, kind of go start going all over the place. Unless you were smart and sprinkling the dogs, because well, the dogs that hit were all they alive once. In fact, national. in fact, and I'm not trying to be revisionist history. You know, that's not my my thing. But at least two of them for sure. I came in leaning initially, and I'm a fan of all three, but I uh, came in leaning toward Magni because of just, you know, the red flags of Condit mentally, where he's at, things he was saying in his interview, sounds like it's for the money, that, yeah. coming off of a uh, layoff, the questionable thing with Maya. Well, Maya's going to choke everybody true, but he was complaining about being rocked by Maya, which was weird. Who complains about that? Much less the toughest guy on planet Earth. Like that, Nick Diaz says, I don't want to be taking Robbie Lawler punches. 
Yeah, 100%. And maybe Condit's mindset has finally changed to the semi-normal. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's a mindset thing, if it's just a physical thing, which obviously is, is going to happen. But uh, but Magny's uh, path to victory played out as far as takedowns, volume, control, and stifling. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what we saw uh, all three rounds because uh, I scored a 30-27 Magny. Brian, what was your... Oh, yeah, going in and cross, going in, what you thought of the fight? Would you have uh, going in? You know, I'm a big Carlos Condit fan, man. I mean, I, I don't think there are many people who don't like Carlos Condit, but uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, like you said, with the interviews lately. I saw one interview where it was with the UFC, and you, you know, it's the one where there's a guy behind the camera asking questions, but they don't, you don't hear the questions, mm-hmm. you just see the reaction. And you could tell there was a reaction he had. Where I'm assuming that the person asked something about like, well, you think you still got it? You know, you've been laying, oh, you've been on a long layoff and this and that. And his response made me think right away that he wasn't in the right mindset. Because he said something like, of course I'm still, like, of course I'm still, I've still got it. It was just like uncomfortable. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, like he's used to being a guy that doesn't have to necessarily say I've still got it. But he did. And it made me feel like, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't good. So there's a lot, you know, that that could just be me reading, misreading it, but it, there was something there, you know. I I also think that, you know, we we don't really put into consideration how many wars he's been in, you know, like yeah, yeah, the majority of his wins are finishes, but those finishes did not come easy. He's got to be up there for total strikes landed, like head strikes accumulated over his career. Very true, man. He's been in a lot of wars, and like I said, my favorite fight of his, you know, I've been doing, doing it for a while, because my favorite fight of his is almost 10 years ago, his war with Hiro Mitsumura. Yeah, you made me watch that, yeah. yeah. It was a great, great fight, went four rounds, but Joe, who did you have going in, and what did you think of the fight coming out? Man, I think I had Magny. I was actually surprised when I asked you when I was surprised that Magny was an underdog. Um, yeah, you did say Kata's that, yeah. has been yeah. away for years, and to think that and Magny's been active and to consider him the underdog was I don't know if the the word disrespectful was the key but I was actually kind of shocked that he was the underdog and I think we have to give credit to Magni too he, he was doing good on his feet and on yeah. the ground and he was just too much for yeah. like Carlos Condit um, tough opponent for a comeback yeah, yeah. and and I think Condit was or Magni is more of the new generation fighters that I learned everything at once, and Condit yeah. came up with like Muay Thai and kickboxing first. And like, I think like this might be the perfect example of like the new generations taking over, and the old generations maybe having a hard time adjusting to be comp- be able to compete with that level. No, I agree. You know, I, I had a thought during the fight. And I almost said it out loud. It's like Carlos Condit's kind of like the last guy of that generation of fighters where they were ahead of the original guys. Mm-hmm. But they're not complete mixed martial artists like we're seeing now on the rise. You know, no no discredit to these guys. These are the original martial artists of our era. Carlos Condit's a guy that I've been seeing fights since I've been into watching fights. But we're at that point where we, you know, it's a crazy sport where we see guys rise and fall so fucking quickly. But Carlos Condit's just kind of been that guy that stayed consistent. And now we're just kind of finally seeing that drop off. And we're realizing that we're we're really just watching the end of a complete, like a whole era of fighters. It's crazy, because when you come in, you know, you come into the sport at any phase, <clears throat> whether you're a newbie or someone who's been watching since the beginning. 
you see this where you get these nice, insane up-and-comers, but you're always hearing of the generation of fighters before that are falling. Yeah. You're seeing a guy that you've never heard of beating a guy you heard of before. And that's just like the tale of MMA. So it's exciting to see, and I'm glad that Magny's doing great. Do I see Magny ever being a champion? Probably not. But that kind of also just puts where the old school guys hold their place yeah. nowadays, you know? Yeah, no. No, very well said, man. And, and it, it feels like we're doing this every month now. We're saying goodbye to Fuck some legend. Know, that, you're right? It's fucking Carlos hell, Carlos Condon and BJ Penn, the best walkouts. As far as like who they are before that uh, walkout and his, who they are during that walkout, it, their whole demeanor changed. Yeah, but he didn't get his Rage Against the Machine, which fucking bums me out. True, and, but you uh, can tell he was listening to it in his ears. I he think had so. headphones in. I don't yeah. know what's going on with that. They've been. I don't know what the deal is, but I keep hearing He's a sponsor. I'm sure. Yeah, they're getting stricter with like certain rights for certain songs because segues into the next fight beautifully because whether you like Carla Esparza or not, oh Jesus, my fuck it. Um, <laughs> whether you like, he stopped me off here. Whether you like, I'm a little easy. Thanks. Whether you like Carla Esparza or not, uh, you gotta like her walkout song. She's either going Harvesters of Sorrow, Metallica, or oh, um, Pantera. Walk. Look. Let the bodies hit the floor. And yeah, Listen, they I just knew metal the drowning pool. It was new metal like crazy. Like, even what if she knocked her out though? That would have been fucking hilarious. Well, even Cassie was pointing out earlier in the night they had some kind of promo they ran. I don't know for what they were trying to advertise, but it was UFC content and it wasn't like an upcoming card. Um, it might have been like a fight pass kind of commercial kind of thing or whatever. But they just pasted like bad new metal over it, and Cassie was That's even like, I tweeted Cassie thing. was just like. Oh no, who's running their promotion? Sounds like this is like straight from the early 2000s. I'm like, yeah, that's, that that's was been right. There's kind of a right. lot of complaints with the USC promotion lately, hasn't there? Well, this is, yep. yeah, this is the thing that it's like, they think they're advertising to the bros that drive lifted trucks and put tap out, but like, really, <laughs> they're, they're hardcore fans or people that are just like normal people that either train MMA or just enjoy it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not bumping new metal every time. Like, I don't get jacked every time I hear the UFC intro. You're not interpersons. You mean you're not you're not putting down your Zion's can to headbang with the intro? Well, you know what's terribly embarrassing? I do drink a lot of Zion's. <laughs> yeah, it's so embarrassing. Yes, bring but back. it's fucking delicious. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Oh, that fucking brings me back so to two thousand eight, dude. It's so unhealthy. I'm gonna get CTE just oh. like these fucking guys just from drinking Zion's. Well, you want to talk about this one? Wasn't so much of an early lean, but this was this one does kind of uh, pinch me. I wouldn't have. Changed my pick to be honest, so I'm not I'm not uh, doing revisionist history here. But this was the first time ever that I picked against Carlo Esparza because I've been one of Esparza's staunch defenders. You know, me and Joe were talking about it earlier. It's so hard to get that Yin Jacek loss out of your head, Definitely. and I think that's where a lot of her criticisms have come from. But even though she's not the best stand-up fighter by any means, Esparza is still a good fighter, yeah, yeah. a capable fighter, and an experienced fighter. So I expected this to be a competitive decision, as I said, it stated in my breakdown, um, and it was that. Uh, yeah, just the pick, just just the pick was wrong. I don't have any issue with it. I know yeah. Calvillo obviously is going to feel robbed. Some other, uh, I would say maybe twenty percent of what I read on on Twitter didn't like the score. But even though I picked Calvillo and I'm a fan of her, I I had no issue. I I leaned twenty nine twenty eight Esparza. How did you guys have it coming in? How did you see it coming out? Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, man, like we, yeah, like you just said, I think that every time I see as far as the fighting, I, I probably don't consider that she's gonna 
be winning because of that Joanna fight. Right. And that was one of those fights where I saw someone get beat down. It was brutal. Yeah, just... And it was pretty bad. And from there, I was just like, I don't think she's going to ever be anything out of, like, UFC. But um, this fight... She did really good. I was um, even when you look at the fight statistics. I think she got the most shots in too, right? The distance shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, most of the yep, exactly. Yep. So I think from what, what I remember, I think maybe Cavillo was more pushing the pace, so it made it look like she was winning. But if you're counting the shots in. As far as it got it, so... Yeah, 110 to 65 overall and 70 to 44 significant. Obviously, they don't tell the story, but they do back up um, what we saw, at least. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I have no issue there. Brian, what did you have coming in, and what did you think leaving? Uh, yes, to harp on what you guys were talking about earlier about the, the Ioana uh, loss, I think that that really left a bad taste in everyone's mouth for, with her just because it was just total domination. Uh, and I think it showed a lot of inexperience with her then, but in her last fight, remind me who she fought last, Dan. Uh, Marina Moroz. Yeah, and that, and she did really good yeah. in that fight. I think that that I, that was the fight where I realized like, oh wow, she's really improved since the Yoana loss. So for me coming into this, I kind of expected her to look a lot better. I didn't think she was gonna win, even after watching the fight. I think Kavia did enough to like take the decision. I wouldn't have been upset if it happened that way, but I'm not upset the other way either because, like we said, it was a really good fight. I saw Esparza uh, was landing a lot of right hands, which I did not expect. I think those were probably the hardest punches landed during the whole fight, minus the ground and pound from Cavillo in the first. But, no, that was a close fight. I think someone... Who else? Some, I, someone asked if it could have been a draw. Maybe it was Pierce. Someone was here asked if this fight could have gone to a draw. It, it was possible. It was close enough. But no, I'm a, I'm not upset with the decision. It'd be interesting to see because she beat Rose. You know, she beat Rose for the original title, so maybe she can get another title shot based off of that. That would be cool. Yeah, definitely. It'd be it'd be interesting to see how they book her going forward. Um, but yeah, I guess we're all on the same page here. We all saw the same fight. Um, no, no issue there. It was a close fight, and you know, Calvillo was due to lose. You know, if you're gonna play the odds, like she should have lost this fight, which maybe played some of the skepticism, but I still ended up picking Calvillo anyways. Um, but, you know, you, you look, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, this is that loss that all the young fighters uh, have to have, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't embarrassing. It was a close, hard-fought yeah. loss. It was a KO loss, a mission loss, so she'll yeah. bounce back. All Easily right. forgettable. The next fight, the fight that we watched so much of, guys... Dan Hooker versus Mark Diakensi. Fuck, don't get me started. We watched a pretty much lagging version of this fight. What, no, what did we get, like we, a half a round of it? No, oh, we yeah, watched right. the whole fight until the end of the second round. Oh, fuck. And then they started the third round is when our stream fucking took a shit. So it started yeah. the third round, and he submitted him within the first 20 seconds or something ridiculous. So, John right? Jones so we, went we out we in the first it, round. Right? Yeah, it was a submission. What, what, what submission was it that he lost? It was a guillotine. guillotine. Uh, other people, including John Gooden, the UFC commentator. It was the first 45 seconds of the first round. So we, we lagged out and missed like three minutes of action. Came back to uh, People, including round. including John Gooden, UFC commentators, complaining about that too. Lost. lost uh, I'm getting a refund! Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> should. So that was kind of crappy, but uh, it was pretty uneventful till then. It was a close fight like I suspected, though. I will say, Dan Hooker has been improving his wrestling, and I noted that in the breakdown, so in that sense, it's not a surprise, but 
offensively, it was I was I was surprised at how well he was doing against Dia Casey because I thought that was going to be Dia Casey's advantage, regardless of how things went on the feet. He had this crazy body lock takedown that he always goes to, and that's been a trouble for Hooker in the past. So the fact that Hooker stays at home, stays in New Zealand, not known for the wrestling. Excuse me, hiccups here. Yet. You know, comes back and makes the improvements on his wrestling and, and whatnot. That says a lot. Yeah. No, he looked great. So, g- good on him. That guillotine finish, like many long guys, kind of like, uh, what was that one guy? Cody McKenzie. Similar. Well, how he'll finish it, where it's almost like he'll he'll, 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 he'll swoop uh, your the arm under the neck to where the crook of the elbow is under your neck. And then he'll literally just take the free hand and push the choking hand into his own shoulder. So, you, your arm makes like a V, almost like a paper cutter. And you're making like a paper cutter chopping off the neck. Gotcha. If you have really long arms, you can do that. Instead of relying on a three-finger, a palm-to-palm, a Marcelo team, a regular guillotine, all these different grips or over the shoulder, all these different finishing grips to finish the choke once you're under the neck, um, tall guys kind of have that option. I believe, what was it? Was it uh, Joe Proctor and someone else did the same, same, same guillotine? And yeah, they just push, push the hand on like a paper cutter and they, they just cut off the... The blood in that space. So that was that was beautiful stuff. When I finally got to see the replay, but uh, anything to add, guys? We we all saw the same thing, Man, which was not much, right? I think it was a bummer that the feet started getting cut out like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like I, I I like don't really remember from this fight that much. Now just imagine Lawler getting KO'd by Tyron Woodley. <laughs> Being s- such hardcore Lawler fans as we are. Dude, I, I've never raged harder, I don't think. That was brutal. You just I remember was that. So yeah, yeah. Dude, I'll never forget. There was another one, too. I don't remember as much. But that Lawler one was just fucking brutal. JDS it's so anticlimactic. Like, me. I just... You'll see 90. I was in the reality of Lawler being the most dominant 170-pound champion, and then yeah. I was, like, disconnected from the MMA world for 30 seconds, and I come back, and he's dethroned, and I don't even see how the fuck it happened. Man, the last time this happened to me was probably... Kenny Florian versus BJ Penn. BJ Penn. We were wow. there. It was that yeah. Steve Cruz? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, that was all three of us. That was how long ago? Wow. That was like UFC 10-something. But yeah, right. at the end, like, it cut out, and then Florian got put in a rear naked choke, and he lost, and... That's yeah, right. yeah, and that, that, and that was the old days where you had to call, like, your cable provider for... Yeah, yeah I remember like, that. Yeah, yes, that I remember that. And same, that same house, uh, about 11 UFCs prior, was... Uh, for uh, Junior Dos Santos's debut fight in the UFC oh, against Verdum, oh, and yeah. they did the thing Virginia where, where they, they go start and it goes black, and someone did the Brian where they go when it's all over, and it comes back, and Verdum's waking up from an uppercut, and we go when it's all over. Yeah, like, every oh, time, fuck. every time it goes black, I have to say it's all over. That was every great. time there's some kind of stream because it fucking happens often enough. I love Kevin where, blacked out on it on someone's walkout, and he goes it's all over. It goes back. <laughs> Just on the ground, they didn't make it to the ring. They're like, what the it fuck, just, man? There was that one random moment of fast forwarding, like fifteen seconds, but the audio stayed the same. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what were so we weird. just watching? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, fuck the UFC TV app. That's all I gotta say. Dude, all that right. fight where Doom was like super overweight too. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, dude, yeah, him. yeah, fat dude. I was like, oh, sure. dude, that pride fighter, and got knocked out. I was like, you, dude, for yeah. boom. Boom, that's a good one. Uh-huh, Fat man. Is still the best one. <laughs> well, here's a fight that everybody was uh, excited for and was counting on turning it around. And although it went to the decision, I will say, I don't argue, it was a good fight, even if it was oh, yeah. arguably a one sided one. That was Love Khabib Nurmagomedov 
versus Edson Barbosa. Obviously, no one has issue with that score. Jesus. Um, before I say it, well, Brian, you start us off on this. What did you think going in, and what did you think leaving? Um, I don't want to say I've underestimated Habib. I, I know that he is definitely capable of doing some very vicious things once he gets the ground and pound. Uh, I don't think his stand-up is fully A-game. I think he's relying a lot on his chin, kind of like Conor McGregor. So I feel like there is going to be a day where he meets a power striker that fucking puts him asleep before he's able to take him down. But until then, there's no stopping Habib. There's really not. Because the second he grabs you, there's nothing you can do. You, there was people that casual fans over here tonight looking and going, holy shit, look at his eyes, talking about Barbosa's yeah. face every time he gets taken down. Like, oh, fuck. I'm about to have to get my lunch money taken right now by this fucking bear. Yeah. Straight up. It's brutal. It's hard to watch, but, you know, Barbosa's tough as shit, and we gotta respect that. Another thing about Barbosa is he landed that spinning wheel kick, I mean, what, two minutes left in the fight? That could have changed the whole trajectory of everything. And that's what he's capable of doing, and we've seen it before in his last fight with Benil Dariush. Like, he, he has it, and he always has it. So you gotta mm. be careful of that. I, I do think that Edson Barbosa will not necessarily be a gatekeeper, but he will stay in the top five lightweights for, for probably a couple of years going forward. Yeah, this was his, this was his shot to get get uh, get some title contention doc going for him finally. Joe, what did you think going in and leaving? Um, man, going in, I just wanted to kind of see where uh, Khabib was going to be mentally as well, too, because... He pretty much got trashed with the whole tiramisu thing after that <laughs> fight. <laughs> uh, so I think he came back with the vengeance. Um, pretty much reminded everyone, well, basically Tony Ferguson and Conor McGregor that he's still a contender. That Dagestan number one. Yeah, yeah. Just like that ferocious East European oh, dude, coldness. You just tell with their with their like facial hair. If you ever see a guy with a beard and no mustache, don't fight him. Especially yeah. if he's got cauliflower earmuffs on. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, yeah, I mean, just watching Ed, when Edson Barboza got taken down, and uh, especially the second time around, how uncomfortable he looked. Uh, his face is just like, ah, oh, fuck! I'm about to eat like sixty more shots yeah, right now. That made me uncomfortable watching. Him yeah, it's not face. something you like to see in a guy. Yeah, they, I mean, he made it, and he actually had a decent third round, better than the second. Yeah. But a lot of people online, and I don't disagree, where people were calling for it to be stopped between rounds two and three, and I wouldn't disagree. I mean, he was just taking damage, you know. He was, yeah. And uh, but at the same time, it's not like he was ever out of it. That's no. Yeah. And 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 Khabib was being smart, so he wasn't selling out overly. And, and but maybe if he did, maybe he could have earned a stoppage. But um, I think th- that was why, um, perhaps that there wasn't. But he could take. Oh, Khabib could take some shots though. Yeah, yeah, he it's can. gonna be a problem for Tony Ferguson. Michael Johnson even. rocked him though in their fight. People That's don't true realize too. that there was a part where he. I mean, he was wobbly. Dude. I took Michael Johnson to beat Khabib there, yeah. uh, but I didn't take Barbosa here because. You know, even though Barbosa's a higher-ranked guy, not only did Michael Johnson beat Barbosa, but I, I actually picked Michael Johnson to beat Barbosa. I cashed a nice three, maybe 350 dog price there for that one because nice. of the pressure fighting. But the reason why but Michael, Michael Johnson can also counter, and that's the reason why I picked him against Khabib because Khabib, Edson, you have to pressure the beat, whereas Khabib, you have to counter, right? We saw that in the Johnson fight. He didn't, Johnson didn't win, but he did everything right as far as he could. It just it wasn't enough, unfortunately, for him. Um, so Khabib is going to get beat. I agree. He's going to get beat by a striker, um, a counter striker though. 
And that's why I couldn't do with Edson. You know, Edson can counter with his right hand. He's gotten better with his left hook. But that's not the dynamic of his game. And the dynamic of his game, he's been beaten by pressure guys. So that um, that's why I went with Khabib for a parlay piece. I thought I'd be hedging by playing this fight doesn't go the distance. Because I'm like, well, I feel like the most, uh, the most likely outcomes is Khabib by submission or TKO. But Edson could get the upset KO. Well, that's technically by my own logic. That's three top outcomes and none of them involve going to decision. So when fight doesn't go to the decision is minus 125, I was like, that's a good play, but yeah. it wasn't that good of a play down hindsight, obviously. But, but yeah, aside from that, though, I mean, it really went how I expected aside from of that. Of course. I don't think there's anybody that thought differently. Outside yeah. of Edson Bar- Barbosa getting some crazy highlight real KO. A lot of people want Edson, though, man. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, no, he's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think that even in his losses, he's shown to be a well-rounded mixed martial artist. You know, he's more than just a, a Muay Thai stand-up fighter. All right. Well, let's get to the main event, guys. Chris Cyborg. Bentley Silva. I mean, sorry. Chris Cyborg. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Where's Holly Holm? All right. Um, I had Cyborg here. Uh, I probably, you know, in hindsight, maybe she would have been the safer play as far as anything goes. But maybe not. I mean, she would have hit for a parlay piece. But knowing my ass, I might have done something inside the distance. Um, And that didn't hit because it actually went to a decision. But there was no, no question. I mean... She came close to finishing a couple times, but it was a smart performance by Cyborg, which I like because a lot of things, there's a lot more home support than I expected coming into it, and a lot of it was not just the rousy logic and people got burned once so they don't want to get burned again, and or they're just kind of using the basic, which isn't untrue, it's not wrong, nothing wrong with it, but they're using the basic logic of, oh, aggressive fighter against home we've seen that before with Rousey but like well Rousey and Cyborg are you know just a little bit different acumen of strikers obviously I'm being sarcastic they're a lot different and uh people were just thinking that Cyborg is a smash fighter that's just a brute that doesn't think just because she's dominant and I, I disagreed with that she's very technical and all this myths about her gas tank I'm like you know she went to round four with my favorite female fighter, Marluce Kunin, in their rematch, their second fight, which was only a couple years ago, and she was fine. Um, so these myths of she's brutish and not technical and is going to tire out, that's what I disagreed with. I didn't disagree with your pick in Holly. That wasn't a crazy pick, but I didn't get this whole writing cyborg off. So the fact that she won by decision, I'm glad for that fact. She got to show that. Hopefully, you know, educate the casual cyborg fan, but... Uh, but yeah, it was a great win for her and a great fight for Holly, even if she was getting beat up for a lot of it. She shows her toughness. We all know she's super tough. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where both of them go from here. But that, that was my take of the fight. Brian, what was your take going in and leaving? Uh, Chris Cyborg is a monster. All right. Me going in, coming out, Chris Cyborg is a monster. Holly Holm is tough as shit, though. We'll give her that. There was a couple moments I thought that she had gotten rocked enough to where she could get finished, but she she fought through the whole five rounds. I feel like she ate more punches in that fight than I think we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely never seen her looking like the guy from the Goonies like we did tonight. But, like Kevin said, you could tell by her butt jiggle she was very nervous coming (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Her jiggles per minute were too high. Jesus. All right, anything to add to that, Joe? Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Chris Cyborg gets the recognition that she deserves. I think she's one of the best female fighters that it, that's been in MMA in history. Touche. 
so yeah, we'll see where that goes. Like, hopefully UFC markets her. She's a sale, and we'll love to see what her next fight is. I think the rumor is the Madden Nunes. Yeah. Brazil versus Brazil. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty cool event. Man, it is. I don't if know it's if not Man, in Brazil, Man, they're doing it all sorts of wrong. Yeah. I mean, but maybe Cyborg doesn't want that fight either because the Brazilians are like that. But I want to see that fight. Also, like to see. Uh, There's no Jer- way they don't want that fight. Jermaine, That's the money fight. Jermaine de, de, Van, de Van. What was her last name? Jermaine de Van. Jermaine Jer- Vanderlei. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a plan until they get punched after the bell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until I five illegal strikes after the bell. Yeah. I'd like to see that fight, too. Um, the rematch? They didn't even, they didn't fight once. Who, Durandamine and Halt Home? Cyborg. Oh, uh, no, 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 you fought a man. That's what you're <laughs> I'm not even kidding, but... Uh, just, she fought Fallon Fox? No, uh, it was like, uh, in like Muay Thai, I don't know how... She got, fought a legitimate dude. A dude, just a real dude. I don't no, know how you fucked him up. No, that was that Ashley Evan Smith chick beat that Fallon Fox dude. Or... Chick, whatever you call it. <laughs> whatever the politically correct term to where my Twitter won't get blown up with angry <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like to see where they take Holly home and what she's gonna do. Cause what is it? What she's like zero and three? Yeah. Who, Holly Holm? Yeah. No, she's two and one, I think, for this last year, right? Or one and two, something like that. She just beat Bech Kohea, and then she... Oh, yeah, that's shook. right. She but did. that was a pretty intense knockout, too. So. Yeah, the question mark kick. Yeah, Bech Kohea. Killing it. Kohea. Yeah, um, but I think this was, like, a... I, I think it was pretty cool for UFC to close out the year with, like, a female fight like this. Yeah, it's too. true. And this definitely is, like, a super fight as far as, like women's MMA goes because that's the girl that beat the girl right against the girl who's been the girl so yeah it's great uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not complaining about the card yeah there were a lot of decisions but it was a good night I think we had a pretty good celebration going down yeah man no I definitely I feel like it's a crime to complain about tonight no matter how it goes so I think we should be celebrating and looking back it's been a great um, year for MMA. What, so, 2016 and 2017. Yeah, man. I mean, this isn't the official award show, but let's close out with some thoughts maybe um, on this year. And um, just so I'm not throwing the ball to you guys super blindly and aimlessly, I'll take this time to remind the audience that um, I'll be on vacation next week doing a top five episode that I'll have set for you. But the top five episode is going to be a top five episode, not an award show. And I don't really have an award show set yet. The award show usually happen after the last card. At least that's why I wanted to wait for. The card just happened tonight, guys. Um, so hopefully within the next week, uh, I will have something recorded. Hopefully it's not just me. Maybe I'll convince uh, uh, Brian here to p- p- crack open another bottle or, or maybe some of the past guests that you've heard in the show. tomorrow after I feel this. Maybe not. But... Uh, so I guess just to close it out, um, one of the things I was going to do, and, and I'll let you guys chime on in on this now, I'll save mine for the actual show. Um, I essentially, instead of doing basic like submission of the year, knockout of the year, fight of the year, which fight of the year, everyone's like, oh, half the people pick a brawl, half the people pick a technical fight, and then they just argue with each other the whole time. Or <laughs> fight of the year, which is kind of a weird one, because last year there's a lot of people you could pick. This year there's not a lot, right? So... I just did seven ba- seven unique categories. These are going to be open voting. So you, 
at the PYN Podcast, at Dan Tom MMA on social media, Twitter mainly, using hashtag the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Uh, follow at the PYN Podcast. I will be posting these categories this week for you to vote on seven open categories. Let me see if I can remember the top of my head, guys. Story of the year, pretty self-explanatory. Feel-good moment of the year, pretty self-explanatory. Heartbreak of the year, pretty self-explanatory. Where I get it, where it gets interesting now. Uh, what do you, uh, martial, uh, martial artist of the year. So now this you can kind of use for fighter of the year, or it doesn't have to be something as gratitude as a fighter of the year. It could be a moment where a fighter displayed a martial arts moment. Okay, four, five, technical display of the year. So again, you can either credit a fighter specifically, like if this was the year TJ Dillashaw beat Burrell, you could technical display of the year, right? Or again, alleviating the fight of the night arguments for people that like putting a technical matchup or fight of the night, technical display of the year can go for that. But for people that like a brawl or we just want we want a award for a matchup in particular, well, that's why we have number six, scrap of the year. So again, you're alleviating these arguments so that we don't have to crash into it. We can we can award the people that are due, um, and, and and that is one and uh, seven. Boy, I'm I'm gonna falter on this trying to think about it. But uh, what was it? But it's ah shit. Straight of the year. KO, feel good. Oh, yes, shocker of the year, okay? Now, this is one where you could maybe, you know, use your KO of the year, or as Brian is pointing to, uh, a multi-orifice uh, pleasure tool with a hand or something that he's doing there. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. There is no rule. There is no wrong answer. But uh, shocker of the year, that makes seven. So what do you guys, first of all, what do you guys think of that? Is that, is that am I stupid? Is this overly elaborate, just narrowing yeah, down good. to seven unique I categories? I think chakra of the year is my favorite category. Chakra, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, I think that's good. You know what you should do is, is good old JR from the WWE when he would scream, This man has children at home! Yeah. You gotta have one of those categories Lord, where someone just gets their Lord, fucking Lord. shit kicked in. And you're like, please stop this fucking the shocker of the year right there. That's, That's a your good shocker point. of the yeah, year. There you go. So with those seven categories, is there anything that stands out to you for any of those, or just any moments you guys want to talk about? Feel good. Joe, is someone talking? Something on tip of your tongue there? Man, uh, probably TJ versus Garbrandt for all of the above, right? That was pretty. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah right. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. I think five of the year too, because it's a back and forth like war. Uh, martial artist of the year, like Ludwig is might be, or the him and TJ's relationship might be, like the Mr. Miyagi and that's really Davis son uh, really combo. So um, yeah, I'm gonna show that fight, and then the Jr. Oh my God moment would definitely have to be like uh, Alistair Overeem almost getting decapitated by. I legit mm-hmm. thought his neck was broken. Yeah, yeah. We, I thought, we convinced the girl. At this, I thought I saw my favorite fighter die. Die, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought of you immediately. <laughs> I literally thought of you immediately. No, we, we had a girl, girl over a here. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we but no, this girl was over here. Bronson's girlfriend was over here, and I legitimately, because you know me, whenever I see a brutal KO, I'm like, oh fuck, it's the first death in the in the octagon. We just witnessed the first death in the UFC, and this girl believed me, and so she like stands up and she's like. 
holding her chest. She's like, she walked into the kitchen. She had to get away from the fucking TV for a second. And she came back, and the first thing she hears is Joe Rogan say, Alistair Overeem is still unconscious. His toes are pointed upwards. <laughs> like, just helping fuel this train of her believing that it's done. And then and then on top of it, we showed her Ngannou's giant schlong next that's to Mighty Mouse. No, <laughs> yeah, dude, look, at look at that. Look at that. What do you see, Joe? Joe is looking at the picture for the first time. Joe, what do you see? That's his penis. It looks like Mighty Mouse's arm. <laughs> Seriously, that's Mighty Mouse's arm wrapped around your neck, aka his penis. What did she say when you when I showed her the picture, though? <laughs> that was hilarious. Her eyes lit we were, up like yeah, a fucking kid on Christmas. She didn't know what to look at it first. We're like, look at his dick, and she goes, "Oh my god, that's his dick." I want to see it too. <laughs> and Ron, boy, Bronson's face was like crushed. Yeah, Bronson, yeah, poor dude. Like, oh. Bronson is a very handsome. He's a very handsome dude. Very handsome white man who can't grow any facial he hair. Just like Drew Dober. Yes, that's a good point. Yes, just, but just like Drew Dober. Well, way more Billy. handsome and doesn't fight people, so yeah. he's like more of a gentleman. <laughs> but then you know, then you have Nganu with his giant African penis, Jesus and she Christ. couldn't even help herself. She just saw it and was like, "I want to see that." He's gonna show it tonight on the pay per view. The best part, she stopped herself though, like no. caught herself, and she was like, "I mean, like a blonde girl with fake tits." Like she, <laughs> like she tried to play it. We're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's like." We all want to see that. Oh, that's great. Oh, uh, she that, got that. Really, is probably one of the best photos in MMA history, though. Dude, I can't like, wait that she comes back. She behaves and then Nganu fighting. Yeah. Oh, is this that time that uh, yeah. Big Schlong's coming out? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, is that what she said, Brian? Is he going to be in Chippendales at all? <laughs> oh, dude, that guy's... You gotta imagine he's doing some damage, though. He's slaying. Dude, what, what kind of woman do you think Ngani likes to date? Uh, like a Gabby we, Garcia? I was going to say, yeah, something like super athlete. Like, like something he could punch that isn't going to go unconscious? No, nah, man, Jesus here's what... Like, <laughs> he's like an immigrant that went to Why France. Why going to punch her? Why? <laughs> No, he's an immigrant that went to France, of course, gonna want, like, blonde white women. Oh, that's no, Jeez. that's yeah, a that's good like, point. Yeah. yeah, that's like... Or brunettes. Aren't French women mostly brunettes? So I don't know. Oh All right, well... <laughs> well, on that note, anyways, Brian, do you have any? do you have any other than Francis Ngannou <laughs> and the effect that he has on women that watch the fight with us, do you have any moments of this year that you'd like to reflect on? Uh, Jesus Christ. Shocker of the year is definitely not Alistair Overeem getting knocked out, but that moment of him getting knocked out was like so fucking beyond what I imagined happening that it still is the shocker of the year for me. Because honestly, like, we, we've seen it before, like, Bose getting head kicked by Santiago, not Santiago, uh, by uh, the dude with the fucking... Tiago Santos, yeah. Tiago Santos, almost there, halfway there. Chest piece. Uh, yeah, his, yeah, that guy... He, when he kicked Bose, I was like, that guy's fucking dead. That guy's fucking dead. But Overeem, it looked like his neck went into fucking outer space. Yeah. That was like a holy fucking shit moment. I feel like that is going to be a he moment. He sure got whiplashed. That, yeah, oh god, yeah. He tried to say he took zero damage. Yeah, all right, dude. Zero damage you can see. Jesus you can see, Christ. but everyone else in the fucking world can see that you're going to have CTE beyond belief. But anyways, it's just one of those things where... I think we're going to look back in five years and we're going to look at that knockout and still be like, holy fuck, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Really, truly. Because, yes, Alistair Overeem has been caught and been KO'd and has been, you know, this, but most of the time it's been multiple punches. Mm -hmm. It's been multiple punches that brought him down or the accumulation, you know what I'm saying? But that was just a freak of fucking nature kind of thing happening. You think he's ever going to get popped by USADA? Who? 
Oh, 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 I don't know, man. He could be a natural, or... natural guy. Yeah, he already has been. Uh, natural man, but uh, I mean, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, I that's guess just nothing... a random thought that literally just popped in my head right now. I, I guess nothing would would would. Because uh... if that man, I mean, really, if I look at like who could possibly kill somebody in the octagon, it's one thousand percent that dude. <laughs> so, so let's just think: what if he fucking kills somebody and then pops for steroids? How terrible would that be for the sport? Oh, We've don't always say that. joked about don't it. Say that. We've always joked about it, but dude, it's going to happen one day. And and I'm gonna call it for once. Ah, oh, Jesus! I hope you're wrong. Out of the million times I've said it, it's the first death in the UFC. <laughs> you know this this year has been like a shit show for MMA though. Oh God, fuck Conor McGregor. The, that's my opinion. I I, I well I don't I wouldn't say fuck McGregor. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought that was a good thing for MMA to put like the spotlight on like uh-huh. MMA in general. But not only that, like a shit show in terms of like GSB and Bisbing. Yeah, the McGregor fiasco too. Um, I, I guess like the rise of like shit talkers. Yeah, which has been pretty politics and you know, choosing matchups. Your and boy Covington has oh. just been so cringy, dude. And I want to end on a negative, but that is true. No, I am glad you mentioned that, Joe. And and uh, it's fine. I feel like I'm a great I'm a, I'm a McGregor hater at times when I come off, but it's like one of those things. It's like it's not. I'm not a hater of any of these guys. I just like like many things in life. I feel like the credit is given to the wrong thing. I feel like credit should be given for McGregor when he had that first ACL injury. He kept himself relevant and was matchmaking. He wasn't just shit-talking. He was matchmaking and building narratives while he was away. Mm-hmm. So when he came back, he had a path to the title. You know, uh, when he rematched Nate Diaz and added leg kicks, I mean, just the fact that you had a fighter change his style. When you watch as many fights as I do, you realize that fighters don't often change their styles over the course of their career. Right. Much less for a specific matchup. It sounds simple. It sounds obvious, I dare say. But that shit was impressive. These aren't the things we talk about with McGregor. It's all this bullshit going on outside. It's not the real things. GSP, I'm not a hater with GSP, even though I feel like he picked... Let's be honest. I mean, fuck. Even his fucking trainers admitted he picked and chose the fight that felt good for him. You know? He he let lightweights move up and fight him throughout his whole career without ever moving up, though it was asked, pleaded, and made sense, arguably, at times. So, yes, I'm upset, but that doesn't mean I'm a GSP hater. In fact, I'm very impressed with GSP, but again, we're talking about stuff we don't need to talk about. We're talking, oh, is a multi-divisional champ. Is he really? Or did he just pick up a fucking matchup of a guy that he fought in sparring back in the day and beat the shit out of him in the training room and is like, oh, this is fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't I don't know if I, how much I'm bored on that. What I am on board with, though, is GSP having colitis, his trainers thinking that he shouldn't take the fight because he's going to lose the fight. I, amongst many thought GSP was going to lose the fight, and he comes back after the crazy layoff, defying all odds and winning. That, to me, is impressive. Again, I'm not a GSP hater. That's impressive as shit. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about him as the multi-divisional champ with McGregor and and about two guys who fucking fought, what? GSP fought once in the last four years. Connor didn't fight at all this year, and these are the guys at the top of our fucking sport. Yeah. I'm sorry if that rubs me a little bit of the wrong way, but that doesn't make me a hater. Yeah, well, we've just lost the idea of like the honor in MMA, where like, you know, we love to see the violence, we love to see the brutal KOs or the brutal submissions in MMA, but at the end of the day, when everything's done, we like to see the respect paid. You know, it's just one of those things where. You know, even if you're not a martial artist, you can understand and respect that side of things. So when you see someone just come in and... And look, when McGregor was coming up in the scene, I I thought he was awesome. I think that his fighting style still is great. But 
his ego has just inflated to a point where I cannot respect that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> it, it, there's, it's way past the point of respect. If any of my friends acted like that, they would have been put in their place. Not physically, but I would have told right. them, like, hey, man, you need to fucking bring it back here a couple steps. Like, Jesus Christ. Right. It's just one of those things where he's, he's become an embarrassment, and he is honestly the face of MMA right now. So yeah. everything he does and says is what people think the standard of MMA is. Then they come and see a lot of respect done, and they're booing because people are grappling over getting one punch six, you know, 15-second KOs, wherever the fuck it is. Yeah. It's like, you know, these are people that don't understand what it's taken to get to the point of where we are in MMA. And I think McGregor's done a terrible job of representing the sport. That's just my opinion. Now, I think, uh, I think you brought a lot of attention to MMA, which is a good thing. He did a lot of shit talking, but he did it naturally. He doesn't sound really cringy to me. At first. Um, even right now, too, you know? Um, and I, I think it's a good thing. You know, Mike Tyson, all that shit talking, he did, too. That brought a lot of attention to boxing, and McGregor did the same thing for MMA this year. Um, there are other MMA fighters that are trying to imitate that thing. That doesn't sound so natural. Yeah. But I think... For me, like, I see them as hustlers. Like, they're trying to be, like, the WWE um, wrestlers because all the heels always, like, talk shit, and they get a lot of attention, even if it's bad attention, and that's what McGregor's doing. Even Colvington, um, who else has been talking shit? But whoever else, I think you gotta have that side, too, or else, like, you're not gonna get, like, the people that want to see the drama of MMA. They, MMA, yeah. there's a, they're missing storylines, you know? Yeah. If they, fa if they focus on Francis Ngannou's um, story more and sell that, they'll make so much more money from being able to promote and market Ngannou for the next fight while promoting Steve-based story, too. And I think, like, they're, they're kind of missing the whole point of uh, telling the story of, of fighters instead of just just oh this guy knocked out this guy or this guy submitted this guy so fast like you're not telling me, like what took them like how long it took them to get to the point where they're at right now or like the story they have to go through no it's true there could be a lot more like behind the scenes I, I, I agree and that's where I always get off of this oversaturation argument because even if they're lucky enough by the way there, there was a pretty decent promo they released with them in Ghana working out like a, mm -hmm. like a Rocky Four-esque thing right so clearly they're listening, but even when they do, let's say, get the promotion right, and the guy goes and he delivers, right? But the problem with oversaturated cards is we don't have time to unpack it. We don't have time to praise this guy. Right. We don't have time to celebrate the result because we're already on to the next goddamn show. And the next one after that, and the next one after that, and these guys get lost in the shuffle. So even if two out of the three stars align, which is huge and harder to do, even if you do it, you're going to get washed up unless it's the right time where you can actually unpack it and the promotional monster, the UFC, is behind you. There's just so many ifs now, whereas I guess, you know, a thing that we talk about a lot and then maybe, Joe, you can speak to is, is we don't have you on here a lot and you've been a fan forever, man, is there's no middle class like it was used to where it was like there's this whole middle class of fighters back in the day that whether it was Pride or UFC that could fill a card. Yeah. So it wasn't so dependent on these top matches delivering. Yeah, so, like, if you look at it from a business perspective, like, they, I just don't, they're just oversaturating their own market. And 
I get it, they're trying to get all the best fighters and stuff to have the best promotion and stuff too. They're trying to get rid of their competitors having the next future like champion because they want to get it, they want to be number one. But then that's like you're having UFC events every single weekend and it's hard for uh, fans to, of actual like hardcore fans to keep up. It's even harder for like normal people that just like or casual fans of MMA to like keep keep watching every single week and I think that pay-per-view sales are going down because of the marketing um where it's just like there's just way too much events and um they're just oversaturating their own market so I mean I don't know how they're gonna figure that out or I might be wrong too but they're not they'll yeah they just have past to the point of figuring out I feel yeah like. I mean it's gonna have to be like WWF where they split into Raw and Smackdown or something like that (laughs) (laughs) UFC Smackdown Jesus well you know what you know that might not be so crazy let's see what they go with this TV deal I think the TV deal is gonna say a lot Mm -hmm. and if they do like a Tuesday Night Contender Series this is one thing I never understood is why they haven't done an Ultimate Fighter season with an entire weight class like every active fighter on that roster that's healthy and ready to fight why haven't they done an Ultimate Fighter that way what do you mean? Like, I don't have have everybody ranked from one to fifteen in the house, and then have the champion be the guy that they're all fighting to fight. Like, why haven't we done a tournament like that? They kind of did that with the with the flyweight one, right? They tried something but, like that. But that wasn't that wasn't the UFC roster, is what I'm saying. I'm oh. saying everybody ranked yeah, one to fifteen roster. in the UFC roster. I get that, but think of how many months they've put or how many like. How many fights they've put on that have held up a division? Or how many people lately have been holding up a division? Be interesting thought if they could do it for sure. And especially if they get in a wild, crazy time where they maybe like... Th- that would actually come in handy for one, if they actually listen to their crit- critics of people who are over the Ultimate Fighter. And two, people who are all about this oversaturation and thinks it's oversaturation. And then you go, okay... We're going to lower our fights, but we still got to find home for these guys. Which, by the way, it's a bullshit argument. Oh, we have to have this much show any cards to give, give our guys fights. Well, then why the fuck are guys getting paid less and having more trouble than ever being booked? That's a bullshit argument. It's another reason fight, why it's oversaturated. another organization where they can make money. Or something. Or like you, you said, you, you, you want to take shows off the dock and you have to balance it out somehow. And that could be a, kind of a radical way, but a way to do it where you take a division and go, okay, well, we don't have to worry about booking this division for shows because mm-hmm. this is going to be this season of the Ultimate Fighter. Especially if it's a division that's fucking like a weak one, like a 145 that's non-existent, a women's 125, oh, I should say, women's 145 that's non-existent, pretty much, women's 125 that's weak and developing, or like a men's 205, you know, like, if, if like, it said, that would have been perfect, actually, if uh, for men's 205, if DC just pieced out with the whole John Jones thing. Because that would have been a real mess, right? Like, mm-hmm. people want to shit on DC and call him not a real champion. Like, people should be thanking him. He's the only person saving this division once again. So by the way, once so again. And while people want to put a crown on a guy who doesn't fight, but let's not end this on a negative, guys. No, let's end this on a positive. On a, yeah. New, uh, what you would like to see for a new year in MMA? Since this is the last one for the year. Yeah, I, I'm going to save that for me for my awards show. So if it's not putting you guys in the spot, I would love to hear what you guys either would love to see in the next year, like Joe said, or maybe just a feel-good moment of this year. Um, could be both. Could be one. I'm going to talk a little more while you guys think. Maybe look who Kip What Ryan I want to see he's... next year. All right. Conor McGregor defend a belt. I like that one a lot. 
I like that one a lot. And just a tip of hand, by the way, the the first starting off with a new guess uh, and just get, get, get a nice come out the gate swinging, doing top five title defenses, which I feel is apropos for the next year. I like that nice. you mentioned that. Continue. No, that's it. That's all I gotta say. Joe, mine's uh, more fighters, UFC fighters jumping to Bellator or Ryzen. I want that same feeling of the days between UFC versus Pride where, you know, people hope to have, like, a co-promoted fight where they see who the best fighters are. Um, I think it's... Competition's a good, a good thing, so... We'd love to see more UFC fighters jump or... Explore the options of hopping over to Bellator or some other organizations. I can't argue with that, man. Especially with what, you you know, kind of what we're talking about with, with how UFC's been operating. I definitely... Wouldn't mind seeing that for our immediate satisfaction and again for the long term goal because competition is good for everybody. But uh, it was a hell of a year, guys. It's definitely a hell of a year for your boy here in retrospect, still digesting it. But thank you guys for coming on the show and helping help me digest tonight and, and this year. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. Making it sound like an award show year wasn't, but it's more of an anniversary. I mean, again, one year. Thank you guys for listening, uh, for being along and, and and again, um, Joe, what do you got planned for this next year? By the way, uh, Costa, go, going back to Costa Rica, are you renewing any deals or nah, looking at other places? Uh, yeah, finishing up my service in May, and then just trying to travel a little bit. And then I don't know, my life is up in the air. Making money it, so. on cryptocurrency. Yeah, just hopefully making more money on crypto, but we'll see. Nice, nice. All right, Brian, what uh, what about you, man? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Traveling, gonna buy me a new whip. That's right, you overdue. Gonna be a responsible adult. And finally collect more debt. But uh, as far as trips go, Yosemite's the only thing I got planned for this year. But we're probably gonna eat a couple of fun guys and have a good time. Dude, we should go hunting. We should go hire someone to like teach us and take us out. We'll so Pearson's his dad. Pearson's dad go all the time. Alright, we'll do that too. LaPierce. Yeah, LaPierce. 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 Yeah, La yeah. uh, our friend Pierce La looks like Chad. Yeah, he looks like Chad LaPierce, but what's what we call him LaPierce. He really does look like Chad LaPierce. The fuck, bro? Yeah, what the fuck? Except Chad LaPierce is like a Jesus the guy. The best is when he had this whiskey tonight. I had him try some of this whiskey tonight, and the first thing he says is, why the fuck does it taste like that? First of all, what does it taste like? It tastes like fucking whiskey. <laughs> but the guy that always goes, what the fuck? What was he laughing oh. about ridiculously tonight? Oh, who knows? It's probably about the, yeah, probably I the know, Will Smith probably alien fucking. Or something crazy. Yeah, the, the Will Smith alien fucking. It's like uh, the only time I've ever seen that dude smile ear to ear is when he's holding a dead buck in his hand with a <laughs> Jesus <laughs> 12-inch hole in his chest. Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to get the fuck out of here. It's late. I got to get home, get this oh, edited, get some sleep. Stuff. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys for Cheers. being here. Cheers. Clink, clink. I don't have anything to drink. Yeah, I'm Clink, yeah, clink. Yeah, I'm me slack. and Joe. Me and Joe. Drank ourselves down. We killed that bottle. Johnny Walker, Double Black. How men drink. Thank you guys for listening to our semi-incoherent, semi-coherent rambling. Thank you for following on to the show. Even some of the crazier episodes like this. Um, we try to scatter it across the gamut and to avoid cliche talk. But yes, it's true. We do plan on coming strong for 2018 um i definitely plan on stepping up and continue to get better and continue to work hard for you guys i know i complain about my lack of sleep and you know i might have done some long-term damage to my body this year but that's besides the point because i would not want to be anywhere else guys and i am grateful as fuck so um, once again thank you any last words any last words and, and as always and as always that's a good last word
protect your neck.